Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with Mental Health America of Wisconsin. We are your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week through intimate, candid conversations with guests, we explore different perspectives on and experiences of depression. We keep it real because the illness is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We are not experts or therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and have interviewed hundreds of others who do as well. By sharing stories of lived experiences, we expose depression for the lying bully it is. Just a quick note, this week's episode will not be studio quality as usual because due to pandemic orders in our states, we weren't able to get to the studio to record. Thanks for understanding. Hello, Bridget. Hey, Terry. We're recording this holiday episode a few days before Thanksgiving, but that doesn't, of course, begin to even set the stage because it's not any Thanksgiving. This is November of 2020, which will go down in history as one of the most unsettled and unsettling times of our lives. And that is precisely why we reached out to psychologist and author Dr. Maggie Mulqueen after we read her post on NBC Think titled, COVID means Thanksgiving and Christmas will be a bummer. Don't make it worse by urging joy. We wanted to talk about the psychological impacts of this time in our lives on these upcoming holidays. And get some advice from a practicing psychologist about things we can do to help ourselves and each other to pivot, reframe, and hopefully enjoy even this holiday season. Here now is Dr. Maggie Mulqueen giving her voice to depression. Dr. Mulqueen says that even in more typical times, for her and most other therapists, November through March is the busiest time in their patient calendars. Uh, well, I think it's the combination of it's winter and the major holidays. So this, you know, the seasonal affective disorder that many of us experience um, with the shorter days, the colder temperatures, um, you know, the things that we think of as cozy mean being indoors, windows closed, doors closed, which we're now being told is unsafe. And it's also the time that people typically do have more vacation time and can travel further if they need to, to be with loved ones. This is a hard thing to give up. Mulqueen says her patients started talking about celebrating the holidays back in August. She says after canceling summer vacations, they held out hope that maybe they could see family members around the holidays. Anticipating that now they won't has been a tipping point, leading many to despair. There are some people for whom having the holidays be difficult is a new experience, and they don't have you know, a skill set, if you will, to bring to that because they they have, you know, a life history where the holidays have been joyful. There's something, they're a highlight of their calendar. They look forward to many people had put off less important get-togethers. You know, they might have typically see family over the summer or something like that thinking, oh, but certainly by, you know, Thanksgiving or Christmas, we'll be able to do what we always do. And now finding that they can't is, leaves them really depressed and kind of without a way of approaching it because they've never had to think differently about the holidays. And then Mulqueen says there are the people who, for 
any number of reasons, have always found this time of year and holidays difficult. They may have spent Thanksgiving volunteering to serve meals or having Friendsgiving instead of family gatherings. But you can't do those things this year. So the, that even people who have had coping skills for managing um, the holiday blues, many of them are feeling deprived of their usual ways of managing the holidays. And in between are those who enjoy, but don't wait all year for, the occasion to share time, space, and traditions with family or friends. Mulqueen writes, Home for the holidays doesn't have quite the same ring when we've been stuck at home with one another for nine months and our worlds have gotten so much smaller. Instead of, there's no place like home for the holidays, she writes, any place but home is some people's holiday wish this year. And then the third category, I'd say, is people who typically look forward to the holidays as a chance to see people when they've already been living with those people now unexpectedly for months. You know, so you have students who should have been off at college, but they've been living at home, or young adults who have jobs but or don't have jobs who've been, you know, home. And so I think for many of us, one of the um, impacts of the pandemic has been that every day feels the same. It's very hard to have something feel different. And so, you know, if I've already been seeing these people 24-7, why is... Christmas Day, for example, going to feel any different because there isn't the excitement of saying, wow, you know, this is so great. Come tell me how freshman year was. (laughs) Dr. McQueen says there's probably not a single family whose holidays will not be altered this year, some very significantly. And of course, you know, most dramatically are those people who have lost family members due to the pandemic and have not had the opportunity yet to have funerals, to come together, to grieve, and the time is passing. So there are going to be those empty seats at the table, but there's really been no good way to acknowledge the losses either. That is so sad. It is. Given all that, we asked for some professional advice for managing our mental health through the upcoming holidays. I think that the first thing, and this is really a central point to me about holiday cheer in general is to allow people to not have the Hallmark card feelings. And I think one of the most important ways to do that is to get out of this notion that there's only one good way to celebrate things, you know, the sense that there's a right way and a wrong way. Right and wrong in this context is all about black and white, either or thinking. The holidays should be the way they've always been, or they're going to be horrible. Therapists, including Mulqueen, believe we'll all have an easier time dealing with, well, life in general, if we approach it with a both-and mindset, simultaneously holding two seemingly conflicting thoughts and allowing for both. There might be fewer people at your Thanksgiving Day table, and it could be joyful. There may be some heartache and there may be moments of gratitude that rather than saying, unless we have, you know, (laughs) a slew of people and are passing around food, like that's the only way to celebrate. And I think we can tolerate and allow, let alone support or encourage people to have a full array of feelings. So, you know, it's a both and it's not saying 
It's going to be miserable because we're not all together, but nor do I have to have some kind of phony sense of, isn't this just great? And I think through that, then there's a path to have it not feel either inauthentic or as just a complete loss. And is that the same advice for people living with or in fear of depression? Well, I think if your baseline is already one of depression, I think it is really important to acknowledge that and to hopefully have a trusted person or two in your life, be they, you know, friends, family, professionals, where you can bring your full authentic self and say, I see the decorations in the store, I hear the music, the holiday movies are playing on TV. And I just don't have the energy this year in particular to participate. And I think when we can be authentic and when there is someone in our life who is big enough to hold our feelings, they become less scary. What's scary is if we're met constantly with people trying to talk us out of our feelings, out of their own fear of being overwhelmed by somebody's feelings. And, you know, if somebody can say to you, I hear that you're sad and how about if we take a walk together? Or I know that the holidays are a difficult time for you. So what would you think about meeting for coffee? Something that is pandemic safe, but doable. The other thing McQueen finds essential for mental health is a sense of purpose. I'm always asking people to think about where or how they can cultivate a sense of purpose. And so if it's a tough year for you, but you have a neighbor across the street who might be delighted by some cookies, could you bake cookies and deliver cookies and have a sense of purpose that you brought joy to somebody else? That doesn't deny the fact that it's a difficult time for you, but it means it's not only a difficult time for you. You you are also capable of bringing joy to others. And there's such strength and mental health that can come from that. And that purpose doesn't have to be winning a Nobel Peace Prize. It can be your family yourself, a friend, caring for your pet or houseplants, work, your faith, anything that gives you a reason to get out of bed. 2020 has been called, among other things, a collective trauma. We're all feeling some of its effects now, and there is going to be psychological fallout in the future. Mulqueen references post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD. One of the things I keep talking about with my own patients is that, you know, we're we're not at the P yet in PTSD for the pandemic. We're not post. We're still in it. So we don't know what the full implications are on our mental health and psyches. And we should not be quick to rush to judgment about that. We are still experiencing it and we are still trying to figure out how to manage it. And it has taken a toll that we know, but we're not at the P yet. We're not at post as much as we'd like to be. And, you know, a big part of what makes this so difficult is the not knowing. All the not knowing is really stressful. For those of us with easily activated anxiety or fight-flight-freeze responses, extended stays in those states is leaving a lot of us just depleted going into the holidays. And the calendar keeps marching on and and it's not going to be that there is a date that we can circle and say, and now it's over. So I think we have to 
be kind to ourselves and know that we are living through something extraordinary and we need to be honest about that and try to keep ourselves moving forward and being safe. In the midst of all this, Mulqueen warns we can compound depression by urging people to find joy, to count their blessings, or be in a celebratory mood. She says it's not so much that misery loves company, but that misery deserves understanding. And I think there's two major components to that. I mean, one is that we confuse listening with agreement. So I can hear that the holidays are going to be hard for you. It doesn't mean I necessarily have to agree that it's as bleak and awful and terrible as you're telling me. You know, and people will say, well, you know, I just look at the glass half full. I'm an optimistic, blah, blah, blah. Without understanding that, then what you're implying or directly saying to the other person is that they're wrong, um, that they're exaggerating, that, you know, there's, there's something they need to do. When in my experience and my training is that, you know, if we can be big enough to tolerate someone's feelings, then once somebody feels heard, they're much more likely to be willing to move to a different position rather than dig their heels in and say, you don't get it, you don't understand, yes, but, all, all those things, that the ways in which people push back. And then the person says, well, I tried, <laughs> forget it. <laughs> and the other person feels like, well, I tried and you didn't like what I was saying, so why would I bother telling anybody anymore? And they go into hiding with their feelings. And that the feelings don't go away. So what is the actual impact of not being heard when you say, I'm really upset, I'm going to be alone at Thanksgiving, or that my family can't come home for Hanukkah, or whatever it might be? And somebody says, oh, it's not so bad. You know, there's always next year. How does that impact us? How does it impact our bodies, our moods, our depression? Well, it's the shaming component then. I then not only have to to bear the burden of my depression, but I also am shamed for it. There's something wrong with me. As we wrapped up our conversation, we asked Dr. Mulqueen if there was a takeaway she wanted to leave us all with. And she went back to that concept of both and. I think that is a way to manage the holidays and depression and potentially have some joy. You don't have to feel like the holidays are only for those people who are joyful or I can't celebrate them if I'm depressed. The complexity, the resilience comes when we can say, you know, it's not what I might have dreamed of. It's not what I might have expected. It's not my ideal. Um, But I can be sad today and I can be, you know, joyful to see the sun or I can be, you know, grieving the loss of not being with my children, but grateful that I have neighbors who've included me today. So I really would encourage people to move out of the dualism towards a both and. Our wish for you is the same as for ourselves. And that is that we can all focus on the things in our lives that we are grateful for this Thanksgiving, not to be candy coating it or in any way Pollyanna, but they're really, no matter what our circumstances, are things to be grateful and appreciative for. 
In closing, we want to do something a little bit different, and that is read a poem. It is by Kitty O'Mara, a Wisconsin woman like ourselves. She's been called the Poet Laureate of the Pandemic. The poem, called In the Time of Pandemic, has been going viral since March. It was first widely shared on Facebook, then read by Deepak Chopra and mentioned in Oprah Winfrey's magazine. So we know it resonates with a lot more than just us, and we hope that you find it comforting and reassuring as well. And the people stayed home, and they listened and read books and rested and exercised and made art and played games and learned new ways of being and were still. And they listened more deeply. Some meditated, some prayed, some danced, some met their shadows. And the people began to think differently and the people healed. And in the absence of people living in ignorant, dangerous, and heartless ways, the earth began to heal. And when the danger passed, and the people joined together again, they grieved their losses, and made new choices, and dreamed new images, and created new ways to live and heal the earth fully, as they had been healed. Isn't that pretty? Beautiful. Beautiful. It's full of hope. I keep hearing that phrase, um, though I haven't kind of come up with my own personal definition of it, but that this is a potential, the, people are calling it the great reset. And I do relish that idea. Hmm. I do too. And, and maybe for the day of Thanksgiving, for the week of Thanksgiving, we can at least try to focus on that as opposed to all the other things that aren't quite as um, hopeful that are currently going on in our lives. So... Happy Thanksgiving to anyone listening. We have a good conversation next week with a man who's going to talk to us about just some ways that we can help ourselves uh, during this time, mostly involving breathing. So may your Thanksgiving be filled with moments of gratitude and appreciation. And I, for one, am very appreciative that you're listening to this podcast and that you're part of our listening community. Very nice. Thank you. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on depression's dark road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.